it, for me to just take something that I'm not, you know what I mean, uh, would be, uh, I wouldn't be true to myself. And Obear allows me to be true to myself and still allow worship to flow through me. Because no matter if I'm uh, singing a Hillsong uh, song or some kind of hymn, and my worship is the same because it's coming from my heart. Mm -hmm. And I, whether it's coming out of blues or rhythm and blues or gospel or rock and roll or it don't matter, the gospel's gonna be flowing through through my tongue and through mm -hmm. my mouth. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's there's a style for everyone, and not everybody likes this kind of music, but that's okay. Uh, it's who I am, and uh, you know, I think everybody should. Uh, that's the beauty of this world. Everybody's a everybody's you know a different color in God's Crayola box, and we all need those colors to make a beautiful picture. Welcome back to Bear Tone Podcast, a show about Old Bear Studio and Old Bear Records in Batavia, New York. My name is Lucas, and I'm one of the producers of this show. For this episode, Anthony and I talked with Old Bear artist Eric Lee Brumley. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks for listening. Go don't yeah just don't generic questions yeah get it into the get into like the nitty gritty uh, some weird stuff just ask me weird all stuff. all right so <laughs> um well let's just start I mean this is pretty generic but let's let's start yeah. off by who is who's Eric Lee Brumley you know what makes you the person you are today sitting here who makes me uh Eric Lee Brumley that's a great question. At an early age, I accepted Christ at five. You know, some people don't remember when they accepted Christ. Some people have never accepted Christ. But my mom uh, asked me in her in her car if she want if I wanted to to accept Jesus Christ in my life. And I was I was an only 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 child. I went to church with my mom, and and uh, I remember that like yesterday, and it was real. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I had some struggles. Who didn't? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But. I know that that moment uh, before the foundations of the earth, God was calling me and drawing me and preparing a, a road for me to walk down. You know what I mean? Right. So I think, you know, from that point on, I mean, I used to, you know, sing in, in the car by my mom. And my mom really shaped uh, the heart of God in me. It's a little bit of the, uh -huh. a, little bit of sh a little molding in the beginning of my life there. And then... Um I mean, tell us the story, man. Give yeah, us the well, real thing, you well, know? I s <laughs> oh, I you, don't have, you, you don't have to worry about getting, like, a sound bite or anything. This no, no, no. You know, God bless my dad. Uh, my dad accepted Christ when he was, you know, in his in his mid. I don't know exactly what time, but you know, he struggled a lot with uh, alcohol. And um, you know, he, anybody knows that it's a fight. And um, 
there was times where he accepted Christ and he went back into the bar and it was, just wasn't the same for him. He knew that God changed his life. He went and tried to go back into the den, but he didn't see things the same anymore. Mm -hmm. It didn't satisfy him. And yeah, though God was in his heart, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for those things to really fall off you. And uh, I got to experience things that, you know, a normal kid shouldn't, you know, grow up into and but that's okay that's what shaped me too mm -hmm. and god uh you know protected me from that and uh this is not a shame game i'm talking about this is you know i'm grateful for what you know i you know growing up when you're in that you you have a different perspective you know you kind of feel like a maybe you know maybe a victim or whatever but when you uh when you get on the other side and you have your own family and you have your own struggles of sanctification, going and think you you ex, you uh, uh you appreci appreciate the, you know the struggle that you uh, didn't see that your parents were going through just to uh, to give you a good life or mm. to just to, to become a better person themselves. Right. You see it you see it now when you're older trying to do the same thing for your kids and I'm just grateful. That my parents are still together. I'm just grateful for that they both love Jesus and. They, they've, you know, they've gone through all that stuff. So going back, I mean, those things that I experienced as a, a kid, you know, the alcoholic father and his going through his struggles. My mom, you know, trying to, to hold, hold the family together in yeah. Christ and, and, and uh, started smoking weed at 12. You know, just, you know, a lot of, you know, just I'm not saying it's a boy thing, but, you know, girls, you know, sure. smoking weed and. You know, just, you know, not worrying about school, just want to play baseball, just want to have fun. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, was, <clears throat> I caught what, a little bit of what you're saying about, like, parent, your, parent, your parents. Like, I, I feel like I grew up in a situation, a very, not a similar situation as you. Um, similar in the sense that both my parents loved Jesus and they, uh, at a young age, wanted me to have faith in my life. But I definitely found out later on when I had my own family, some of the some of the things that I look back on and were, were sort of bitter about. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had a way like a way deeper understanding mm -hmm. of forgiveness yeah. uh, because in the sense that I, I had to let my parents off the hook because I realized like, yeah having my own kids and my own hangups, yeah. it wasn't all their fault, you know? <laughs> and I think there's a, sometimes there's a, uh, a misconception that, um, you know, that you, your parents have to get it all right. And if they don't get it all right, then you're somehow less fortunate yeah. in reality, man. It's like they are doing the, you know, now I look at it like, man, they just were doing the best they could to hang on, yeah, you know, like just to, you're just to me? get through. Cause my dad was, a uh, grew up in an alcoholic home and watched my grandmother be abused by many, many men at a very young age. And, you know, and so he broke a lot of that yeah. He didn't pass that on to me, yeah. you know, or my, and my yeah. brother, he sort yeah. of just, he decided, yeah. you know, I'm going to do it differently, but yeah. it didn't mean that it, he didn't carry some of that baggage into yeah. my relationship. He yeah. didn't, he never drank around me or anything like that, but he had a temper and, 
Yeah. But he, that was what he saw, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he really, it was a, I had to watch my father go through the breaking of where he came from. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy. You know, he was in teen challenge and stuff like that, which I know is part of your story too, Eric, but um, maybe tell us a little bit about that, that process. So you, from there, I was just, you know, school, high school, dropped out of high school. Uh That was disappointing. Especially my dreams of playing baseball, and uh, you know, dude, I, you know, I, my my hobby was always doing music. It yeah. was never on the. It was never like um, I'm gonna be a. I wanna, I wanna sing, and it was just something that I like to do, you know. And so, uh, you know, I started. You know, I dropped to high school, and then I started working, uh, working on a, a lobster boat. Going out for four or five days and lobster boat because you're That's from awesome. Rhode Island. I'm from Rhode Island, and I live in Massachusetts now. That is so cool. And lobster, lobster boat, and we used to go out 90 miles out in the middle of the ocean and just get lobsters. And uh, that was uh, that was an experience, you know. You couldn't like take a sick day. <laughs> right. I'm sure, like a lot of those guys were grown men too. Oh that my you were god! With, right. And I'm like, I'm throwing up off the side, and I'm like, <laughs> I have to continue to do what I'm doing. And it's like I can't. I want to go lay down. It's like I'm throwing up. I'm. I mean, it, there's nothing left. It's all. It's all bile by that time. Yeah. You know They're right. I mean? Yeah, it's all out. It's all out, and you're eating saltines. And actually, nine <laughs> eleven, I was out in the boat, hmm. and we heard it on the CB. And there was no, there was no land around. It was we heard it, and it was so. You, everybody knows where they were yeah. on nine eleven. Yeah, that's where I was, and hmm. it was an experience of a lifetime to to go some through all that, and then you know, make a long story short, short I went to Teen Challenge. So Teen Challenge is, for the people that don't know, what's that? Teen Challenge is a, a discipleship ministry helping men and women uh, uh, um, just uh, restore their lives from drug addiction. Mm-hmm. It's a 15, It's I, the, the times change. When I was going through it, it was 15 to 21 months because I was such a... Such a wacko! It took me 27 months to, <laughs> and most of that, most of the time, I was on discipline. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> yeah, sure. I was young, and you know, and I went through Teen Challenge, and man, and for the first time, I really was around people that was just like me. Really taught me what what I didn't understand. I, I mean, I went to church, but it was very uh, surface. Sure. And the, my whole, the game changed. The game changed when I went and walked through the doors. And I'm telling you, it was like groundbreaking. It was like it was like one of the, you put it, you know a stick of dynamite to break up the rocks to, mm-hmm. into the quarry. When I went in the Teen Challenge, God broke it. Mm-hmm. And what is what is this all about? And Jesus is it. Jesus is the answer. In Teen Challenge specifically, you know, I start writing music. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? What are you writing about? Struggle. I'm writing about struggles. You know, where I'm at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, I don't know if it was a good thing back then, but uh, I think it was good for me to, to be thrown in. I wrote a song called Break Down the Walls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Teen Challenge is a pretty big facility with all of them all over in New England. And I wrote one song, and we would sing it every place. I had uh, like 300 people singing behind me the song that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it was quite a, uh, an interesting time to be in that because I was still going through my own struggles mm-hmm. in the program. And then I, on a Sunday morning, I'd have four to 500 people singing behind me with the song that I, that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say it pridefully. It, it brought me into a place of, you know, it brought me into a place as I, I, if I'm going to be in this position... I want to live. I want to. I want. I don't. I want to live in the same. In, it's the same in the light as when no one's looking. Right. And in that process, you know, that was a, another uh, sharpening stone for me. I was singing at a church, and a special, and a special uh, community advisor. Uh, uh, you know, for the community of Massachusetts, saw me at a church, and his girlfriend at the time, or his wife, said, "You, you better get that kid signed. You're, you better get him. Why? You know what I mean?" And so he offered me, you know, to do to do. We did a little contract with the A7, the gospel group. This is years, maybe maybe 13 years ago, <clears throat> and uh, I got to experience Major League Baseball in a different light in a gospel light mm-hmm. and uh, being a minister of the gospel, being, you know, behind the scenes in the, in the stadium and meeting all the people and, and, you know, some of the, the, the players and, and, uh, you know, I got to do a little uh, tour in California with uh, a gospel group, which I don't think they're still uh, around anymore with a seven was a uh, quite, and I, and this is all while I'm still at teen challenge. Mm-hmm. And my pastor allowed me to, you know, take that step, you know what I mean, to sign the contract and, and do a little tour, do a live album we did mm-hmm. in California. And uh, and the Red Sox, you know, was uh, it was it was more for me not to, the hype of just saying the word Red Sox means nothing, but it was just being around Major League Baseball in a different light and God saying, you know, even though this was taken away I'm still bringing you to these places mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I'm healing and it was it was such a it was it was it was a healing moment sure it was it was like your, it was like a father saying you know you know just it was a it was a father and child healing moment for me so I mean <clears throat> here's my thing I I I look at you and and um I wouldn't gather by looking at you the style of music that you love. Mm. And I saw Eric play for the first time when we were, um, when Brothers McClurg was on a run through through Mass, Massachusetts. And um, Eric got up there with his guitar and he's a, and a harmonica mm-hmm. and he starts singing. But it remind you, you're like a skinny white guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. when you got up to sing, it was like I was look. I would. I could close my eyes and I ahead, could sing. picture like 
Sam Cooke or um, may, may, like Pop Staples. We talk a lot about him, Mavis, yeah, and Pop yeah. Staples being an influence on yeah. you. So it's very uh, roots gospel sound. There's a disconnect there. Yeah, you need to I think there, you need to connect. Somewhere. You need to connect for us because it doesn't. Where did doesn't you get that sense, from? Right? Where'd you get that from? You know, you know, the listeners. You know, I, I grew up. You know, my dad brought me on all the '50s music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't. I wasn't in the generation that everybody was. That's I loved. I used to call in at like eight years old into the radio station, on the oldie station to to request music. Yeah. I think I was the only kid doing that, calling the radio station. And uh, I grew up, you know, on that uh, rhythm and blues in the '50s and all that style. Even the even the other stuff. But but you know, you know, I'm gonna give a little credit. To, some people might be mad at me, but you know, Elvis Presley really brought in some of that uh, sure. that that gospel into my into my soul. And then I got older, and I really found out where all the roots were before Elvis. You know, I think there's certainly a passion uh, when you step up to the mic you know i think that's very apparent and it comes out i mean there it's a zero to ten moment for you you know like you could have i mean you're always operating on like you have a standing operation of eight you know if ten is like hyper you're always sort of in an eight already but it goes from eight to ten when you start to sing you know um you're not a down person you know and you, you like to I'm excited. I am excited to be here. This is a, I'm, 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 this is a dream. You know, so, I mean, this is, uh, there's a lot of pain that comes up to this moment for this to happen. A lot of obedience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without obedience, I would probably wouldn't be here. I mean, God, I sure had my slips and mess up, messes up, but there's a point where God says, you better get on or get off because you're going to miss it. Yeah. And uh, I surely didn't want to miss this train. Having written some of the songs with you on this project, the lyrics are very powerful. You sing every song like it's probably your last message. And so there's a song on this project you were singing yesterday. Let, talk the devil a little goes bit. Fishing too. The Devil Goes Fishing Too is the name of the song. So tell me a little bit about that song. 
Well, you know, I, I didn't write that song, you know, but I heard it yesterday. We had help with Ian and, and your brother Chris to write that. We I had came up with the title and the devil goes fishing too, and it was mm-hmm. like it just kind of just popped out, popped out, and we got to do something with that. And we just started writing a, a message around that. And I like to write, you know, if you listen to Dylan's music, listen to some of these. Uh, what's that, Larry? Norman. Newman, Norman. Some of his. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was like, he was right in your face. Yeah. And that's the kind of music I like to write. I like to write stuff that, you know, I think somebody said last night, your music's a hard drink. You yeah, it mean? is a hard drink. It's stiff. Yeah, it's, it's a, a stiff, stiff drink. drink from a recovering mm-hmm. alcoholic. Yeah. Then there's another song. I like the story. Um, you're working all, I think it's like something like you're working all things together. But yeah. you wrote that song yeah. because you had a tough day. <laughs> yeah. So just walk us through that day. Oh, man, I wrote a song. I just... I was driving from work and uh, my brake started, this, my left side brake started seeing it and I smelt it. And I want to tell you a story I had. This is not a good idea. I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the world. <laughs> but I had this olive oil spray in my car, cooking mm. olive oil spray. <laughs> and uh, my brake, I had to pull over. And I was like, I, so I sprayed it on the brake. And I was like, my car, and it started smoking. I thought he maybe to loosen it up. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm smoking down. In the road and smelling like I'm cooking, cooking some food. My, everybody's looking at my left side of my wheel. I'm just getting nervous and embarrassed, embarrassed at the same time. I'm just like, maybe it freed up, maybe it just loosened it up. So I finally get to the spot, and I was like, all right, this thing is hot. This thing is like, like iron hot. Mm-hmm. And so I said, all right, what am I gonna do? I'll just get some more of this spray and put spray it in. All of a sudden, my wheel well starts. Go, just blows up and goes on fire. <laughs> and I'm, what do I do? I go, I start blowing on it like it's gonna work. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> I'm more embarrassed of people looking at me blowing sure. on this thing. And, and this thing, like, I, I mean, I got to pull into a, a little uh, Shaw's parking lot, and uh, I started getting all all the empty, half drinking. Uh, dr- uh, Cokes and waters in my car. I started squirting it. I mean, I went. I must have been went through like 50, 50 bottles that I had left over in my my trunk, and because I just you know, my should have a truck, but I have a car. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, now you can see how messy my car is. But I was just yeah. squirting all the stuff on, and finally, I was. I took the. I was like, oh crap! And I took the wheel off, and I I I, I and I took some hair cream. And I took some lotion that they had in my car, and after, and I just started smashing the the brake with my all my tools and kind of opening it up, and and I was like, I just I let it sit for a while and got some Thai food, walked across the street, the bank bank the the bank shut down my debit card because it was in I was in a different place, and uh, like it, you know how they do that, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. they don't recognize they don't it. Recognize I'm like it. I couldn't do this. I was like. I couldn't grab these. My phone died at the same time. I couldn't. It was just like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to eat this food. I'm going to take my second. And I went back to the car and I put the, the wheel back on. This is a long story. but And uh, it opened up. You know what I mean? The whole break. I think it was rusted from me peeing on it a lot. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just, you're using everything you could. <laughs> no, every no. possible every, cooling liquid could you could. <laughs> but it worked out and I went home and uh, I sat down on the piano. I have a piano I just got. 
and it's 116 years old. <laughs> and uh, I wrote down the song. Uh, he works all things together for his good. And I'm like, if I have the hardest day in my life, and if I can write music like this, bring on the hardest days because it's worth it. I mean, the purity of it and of the song is kind of really timeless. And, it, you know, and, and I started it off after that long day at night. I was sitting at the piano, and the, the things I wrote, you never, fa you never failed me yet. You won't fail me now. You didn't fail me then when all I had was doubt. I think I messed it up, messed it up. But And it goes, you work all things together. And then one of the lines is, um, uh, I didn't realize then there was no sign from above. I thought you left me cold and alone by the side of the road in search for love. But you worked it all together for my good. Thank you for listening to Bear Tone Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a rating and a review. You can also email us at baritonepodcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments about our show. This show is produced by Anthony Hoisington and me, Lucas Iverson. Thanks to Sarah Bridgman for creating the logo for this show, and thanks again to Eric Lee Brumley for taking the time to talk to us. Edward Chilungu brings a fresh sound to Old Bear Records, creating unique instrumental soundscapes. His brand new record, Soundtracks, will be coming out on October 12th, but I'll let you in on a little secret. You've been hearing it used throughout this podcast. So, be sure to check out oldbearrecords.com for more details. <laughs>